0: Today's episode features Jenny Yu, who went to school with me and is currently a paralegal who moonlights as an incredible stage manager. Jenny takes us through her SM origin story, breaks down the responsibilities that the role entails, and speaks to the importance of finding your place in theater. We then get into the struggles of grappling with wanting to pursue the arts as children of immigrants who want more traditional and stable lives for us. We also talk about presenting ourselves as women in the arts in certain ways in order to be taken seriously and we point out how the ways in which women are uncultured as planners and empaths yield great stage managers, which is bittersweet in that their superpowers come from being master accommodators. We conclude by preaching for early exposure and accessibility in the arts, and daring to challenge the status quo by actively seeking diverse casts and crews. I'm also attaching a link in the show's bio to the off-Broadway show that Jenny is stage managing this weekend. Hope you enjoy. (laughs) First of all, so happy to have you. Um, Are you down to kind of just say hello and introduce yourself?
1: Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Jenny. I just graduated from Barnard College of Columbia University, uh, living in New York. I love theater. I do a ton of stage management, Um, honestly, live performance in general. Um, I'm a musician and um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just happy to be here. Happy to be talking about something that means a lot to me. And yeah, ask away.
0: Awesome. Well, so happy to have you. Are you down to kind of just like jump in and walk us through your musical theater journey and musical journey and take us on that journey and leading up to now?
1: Of course. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is kind of like a two-part story. Um, I, as I mentioned, i am a musician. I play piano and clarinet. Um, my parents are, and my mom especially, was very much one of those parents when I was growing up who wanted me to like experience all of these different things. And so she signed me up for music lessons and for theater camps and really anything you can think of. Um, you know, she really never had the opportunity to do that when she was growing up. So I uh, didn't play as much in college, but all the way through high school um, was, you know, like kind of pianist and um, I was drum major of my marching band mm. and did all the, the band kid things. Um, was a wood non as well. And I did love it. I do love it still. And then um, I always done in theater as well. First theater camp I remember going to, I was like five. Um, we lived in Rochester, New York at this point. So it was like a small town. I remember it was like in some like basement in like downtown Rochester. Um, this kind of like theater camp for, for kids in elementary school through middle school. Um, And I thought it was the best thing ever. And I did that camp for a couple years. And at this point I was just strictly performing. Um, I had no idea that the the kind of like technical theater side of it even existed or the production side of it existed. And then when I moved to Bethesda, Maryland in middle school, I started doing um, the school plays uh, and musicals um, all the way until my freshman year of high school. I was still performing. Uh, and it was really fun, but I have always been a pretty shy person, and I was never, like, the one to really put myself out there. I hated auditioning. I still do, Um, and even for, like, you know, going back to the music thing, I hated doing, like, competitions and recitals. Like, I am not one to, like, perform in front of other people and so I was never, um, you know, like as naturally drawn to it as uh, some other people are. And then I was a sophomore in high school and I became friends with uh, this girl named Bree, who at the time, the stage manager of our high school's uh, drama program, Whitman Drama. And I thought she was so cool. She was like so competent Um, I was like 15 at the time and she was like 17 and like I thought like this was the coolest thing ever that like she gets to you know like give direction to people and basically run the program and it was just so cool what she was doing and so she was like you know I think I could see you on tech like I know you perform but like this is a thing that I think you might be good at and so uh, it was like the fall semester and we were doing Sweeney Todd as the musical that year. And she was like, oh, like, why don't you um, try to do pit? And I had never, you know, played in a pit orchestra before, didn't really know what the deal was. And it was like one of the most fun things I've ever done. It was great. So that was, you know, it was a great time. And then it was tech week and I was sitting backstage because the director at the time put a pit cover on the stage because he wanted to kind of like extend the playing space. And so he didn't want us in the usual pit mm-hmm. um, location. So he had us backstage. On these like risers and I remember sitting there and from I was on the tallest riser and from where I was backstage I could see the assistant stage manager and the run crew and I would like (laughs) this is kind of terrible but I would like miss entrances because I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing and I was watching them Mm -hmm. and this whole time like I could see the ASM on calm um I could see the run crew like doing set changes And I was fascinated by what they were doing. And I was like, that I think is what I want to do. And I just like, I watched them the whole time. I thought it was like the greatest thing ever that they were changing the set and doing all of this stuff and basically making the show happen. And so spring semester of that year, um, I remember we did Noises Off as our play um, and then every uh, at the end of every second semester, we always had talent show, which was less of a talent show and more of like, a I guess, a like a concert with student bands is the best way to kind of put it. And so for the play, I decided to interview to be on tech um, and I was a I was a member of the props team and I was also on publicity um, and again, it was just kind of the thrill of being behind the scenes, um, and I wanted to do more. And so for run, for uh, for the talent show, I did Run Crew, and that was really when the stage management bug, I kind of like caught the bug, just because it was so cool to see like the paperwork, the diagrams I thought were amazing. Um, you know, it was like such, a, such an adrenaline rush to be backstage and to be making it happen. Um, so it was... Junior year, um, Brie was the stage manager for the second year in a row. And I interviewed for her to be her assistant and got the job for, that year was Jesus Christ Superstar as our musical, and then The Crucible as mm-hmm. our play. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, of course, Talent Show at the end of the spring. Um, so I ASM'd for all three of them. Um, and the more I did it, the more I realized that this was something I was like, really capable of doing. And I, I guess I got pretty good at it. Um, I, you know, I had always been kind of a kind of an average performer just because I was, again, like too shy to really put myself out there and to really like stand out. Um, I think from everyone else who was, you know, in the ensemble or auditioning or whatever. um, But this was a place where I really thrived. Um, You know, I am very type A. So all of the like organizational stuff really appealed to me. And it was just something where I, I could see myself doing it long-term. And then Brie kind of, um, and I'm really grateful for, to her for this, is that, um, you know, she took the time to impart all of this knowledge on me that I don't think I could learn, I could have learned anywhere else. Just because of the nature of the job, it is one of those things where you can't re- really read a book and do it. You can't really kind of like rely on like classroom learning or anything like that. It's very hands-on and it's very much one of those things where mentorship is super important. Uh, my senior year of high school, I did um, end up uh, getting the SM role for the program. And we did um, On the Town as our fall musical. Uh, we did, oh my gosh, I always forget the plays. Uh, oh, Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night Time. That was our play. Um, and it is still one of my favorite straight plays to this day and talent show. And to stage manage all three of those things for such a huge company was... I think really where I was able to develop these core SM skills that I still, you know, carry with me and use to this day to be thrown into the deep end kind of at that level of, you know, really still not knowing what I was doing but having to manage all of these people and their schedules and, you know, putting together the rehearsal times and all of this stuff. At that moment, like I was still trying to I was having that cl- classic like high school dilemma, right? Like where do I fit in? Who am I friends with? Um, What do I want to do after college? Mm -hmm. uh, Sorry, after high school, in college? Um, You know, just what am I doing? And and so to have theater during that time in my life was invaluable. Um, I, again, was, you know, not the most outgoing person. Because I moved in the middle of middle school, um, it took me a while to find, like, a friend group. And I was just, like... I'm feeling really out of place and not really knowing um, what came next. And then to become more involved in this thing that had been a constant for almost my entire life um, came at the perfect time. It really helped me realize that I could be some a part of something that was so much bigger than myself. And I think above all, to work towards a leadership role. Um, that really helped me, I guess, find my voice is the best way to put it. Um, and just to be assertive, I had never really been that person and I never really thought that I could be, um, until I had to be. And so all of those people skills that I developed, um, you know, the organizational, the time management, the multitasking, I think stage management really prepares you for life, whether you continue in theater or not. Um, it is such a, a, a role that you can take the skills from and apply to anything else that you want to do, um, and in that way, I'm I'm really grateful that that it worked out the way it did. Backstage is where I was meant to be. The SM origin story. Yeah, I
0: love it. Um, thank you so much for walking us through all of that. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk SM life. Um, so every interview, we usually like break down a concept, but I would love to kind of just like jump right into it and really break it down first of all i guess like walk us through like the life and responsibilities of being a stage manager for a stage
1: management um just like cut and dry your usual sm role Um, it's very much a hands-on position in which you need to be able to communicate with your creative team um you know the people uh the people in the production team as well as your actors um if you're doing a musical your musicians um, it's one of those roles where you have to be able to connect individually with each of these groups and then also kind of bridge the gap between them. Um, and that is, I think, what really takes the most skill. Um, and you have to put a lot of time into it, obviously, because you know there are, there, there are people working on your production with lives and needs and wants, and the, everyone is kind of coming to you at the end of the day asking if uh, such and such can happen ask me if, um, you know, the schedule can be adjusted. There's always kind of a, um, there's always a a balance to be struck in terms of who needs what and when. In in addition to the kind of um, the basic responsibilities of scheduling rehearsal, you have to be present at the rehearsals to assist the director. Um, You have to be on top of it in terms of um, helping lead uh, production meetings, although that is also um, a producer's responsibility. So you kind of split the workload there. Um, but again, it's really just being, um, playing the role of friend, of therapist, of, uh, you know, anything that someone might need at that very moment without judgment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and you really meet so many different people in this role. And that again is something that's really great about it is that it teaches you how to collaborate and how to coexist with a ton of different personalities um, and so that is, you know, what I love most about it, but also something that's mo- most difficult. Um, so it's super important to, you know, stay organized, stay available. Um, I always tell, you know, my companies that I work with, um, you can text or call or email me at any time. I'm always here for you. And you know, when they do bring things up, it is one of those things where I really do try to prioritize. What they, what they feel like they need most in that very moment and try to kind of do my best. And sometimes, you know, what they're asking for exactly, like to the letter, is it possible? But my philosophy as an SM and also as a person is um, not to say no right away, but to say yes and.
0: Mm. Um, Love yes and, and.
1: I think that that's a really, really great just life skill mm. um, because, you know, a compromise can always be reached and there's always a solution to be found. You just have to kind of maneuver things and, and figure out what works best for everyone involved. And so negotiation is a huge part of the job as well. But there's also the stuff that, you know, the little everyday things, um, you know, making your, making your, uh, your calling script, uh, taking blocking notes, um, sending out rehearsal reports, daily calls, weekly calls, uh, just those little, little bits of, of organizational work that I also really enjoy. Um, and that's not for everyone. You know, I've, I've met some SMs who don't love it, but again, part of the job. But yeah, so that's kind of the daily, uh, the daily role. There's no, no way to predict what you're going to get on a certain day. Yeah. Um, you have to roll with the punches. You have to be able to think on your feet um, to uh, come up with creative solutions, even when there seems like there might be none. That all
0: falls on you. And so it's a lot of responsibility, but it's also really rewarding. Wow. That is so much. Like, so many responsibilities. It's also, like, I could never do this for so many reasons. But, like, as a trumpet player attention whore, I'm like, that just seems like the most thankless job. (laughs) And, like, even me in the pit, I'm like, man, like, no one can even see me playing. Like, that sucks. So I can't even imagine what goes into, like, stage managing. Because you're really the glue that's making it all happen. But... It just seems like such a thankless job, but like such an important one.
1: Yeah, you know, it is. It is a thankless job. But um, at the same time, I, I, I guess I can, be, I'm a cliche, I'm an SM cliche at this point, because I always say um, that if I'm doing my job right, no one should know I'm there. You know, like the audience should not realize that the stage manager is doing anything. Mm. Um, and even your even your cast and crew, they shouldn't see you when a run is happening. You know, if they do, that's bad news. And so I think I've come to the realization that um, it's actually like kind of the best thing ever to, to be doing your work and to be making it happen. But like no one realizes it unless you like, want to tell them about a specific part or like, you know, something like that. And so it's, it's interesting because I, I feel like it's the little things that, you know, for when the, when the cast and crew say thank you, or like when I get, you know, a a card from, from someone on opening night or closing night, or uh, when I see my name in the program, it's those little things that really make me the happiest.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: I don't, I don't uh, need to be, and I honestly, to be quite honest, don't feel, comfortable being the center of attention when things are happening like I could never do like I could never belt a solo on stage like in a spotlight you know like that's not that's not who I am as a person and again so much respect for people who do and I could never perform just because the demands are just you know like you just have to be on all the time and um there's just so much attention on you and So I personally prefer, I do
0: prefer being in the booth. Yeah. Well, I think like also it's such a testament to theater and like how I think there is a place for every kind of person in theater, which is really great because not everyone is like a performer who wants to be the center of attention, but it's like, I think that's what's so wonderful about it. It really is a place that can welcome everyone from like all backgrounds and all kinds of skill sets. And there is a place for you if you want to be a part of it where you could really thrive.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's honestly part of um, that kind of like personal development that I was talking about earlier. Um, Just, you know, growing up in a town that was, that looked very different from my own life. um, I think, so I guess I should kind of preface this. So growing up as a a second generation Korean American daughter of immigrants, um, you know, my family was low income, is low income. um, And we, moved obviously from Rochester to Bethesda and then I moved to New York for school Um, and all three of these places have been um, I've been kind of in very white very wealthy environments and so I think that 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 was a large part of me not knowing really who I could connect with and where I belonged in terms of of school and like social life Um, and you know I didn't have I didn't have like fancy vacations to talk about or you know like I wasn't getting invited to like the the cool high school parties or like you know all of the stuff that you think matters in high school like I was like oh you know that's really not me and I I don't feel comfortable in that kind of social environment hmm. um and so I think that was when I really took a long hard look at like you know what are my passions what can I throw myself into that will be rewarding um, where I can meet people who enjoy the same things um, that don't kind of judge you at surface value um, and where can I make a difference? And I didn't really have that until I threw myself into, into theater. Um, and again, like I'd always done it, but it, it had always been kind of like a, you know, summer camp, um, casual, uh, just for fun type thing. And although, you know, it is still for fun and it is some, something that I, I still love doing and that is, you know, very much a hobby of mine. I also saw that it could be more of a career um, and a place, you know, a safe space, uh, a place where I could go when I didn't really have anywhere else to be. Um, and so, yeah, that is, that is one of the, uh, the amazing things about the theater world, the performing arts world in general is that it is so open um, to embracing all different kinds of people. It's very come as you are. And as I'm trying to navigate post-grad life as like a young 20 something now, having this thing to anchor me has really been more than I could have ever asked for. Um, I don't, I have no idea what my life would look like if I didn't have theater in it.
0: Yeah. And I guess like, I'm curious, at least personally, it sounds like it could be similar. Like I, fell in love with performing and trumpet, and I wanted to do it at the highest level. Um, I got a strong veto from my parents um, to go to music school. And I was like, okay, well, that means that I need to find a way to make it happen. We've also talked a lot about immigrant parents and like kind of grappling between having our own dreams versus like their dreams that they kind of have for us and that they grinded so hard um, for us to kind of be able to live out um, their fantasies And then kind of, I guess, that struggle of how do we balance um, all of our passions? How do we work hard and make them proud, but also pursue our own dreams? Like that whole thing um, and having, like, did you consider stage managing full time and like pursuing it as a career? I guess, how did you navigate all of that when you found out, like, this is something I love? Do I have the support to actually go and do it?
1: Well, first, I want to say... You're killing it. I'm so glad (laughs) that you did and that we met at school. Same. Uh, And I, yeah, for me, I think it's a little, it's, I had a moment when I really, really wanted to go to conservatory and get a BFA um, in stage management and kind of similar to your parents, hard no from mine. um, They were very, very against the idea that I would only be, um, you know, studying performing arts related Things and you know, my degree would only really be good in one field. Um, that was not appealing to them at all. They were like, you need to get a well-rounded education, um, you need to have grad school prospects, you know, all of these things uh, that again, you know, I don't fault them for because it is very much a reality. Um, and especially for them, having immigrated, um, having had to start from the bottom. Uh, working, um, you know, being being working class and, and working these jobs that are, in fact, thankless, as we mentioned earlier, you mm-hmm. know, um, and wanting more for their kids um, and having sacrificed so much um, to bring us to a place in which I could, you know, think about applying to Ivy League schools and I could um, think about going to get a graduate school degree. And so, those were options that, you know, were not as readily available to them. And of course they wanted only the best for me. And so I, I was really struggling between my own, as you said, my own wants and needs and what they wanted for me. Um, and so it was a very tumultuous senior year to say the least of high school. Um, I did not end up applying to conservatories But I I did apply kind of all over the place in terms of big cities. You know, I did like New York, DC, uh, Chicago, um, LA, like kind of like the the biggest cities all over the place just because I knew that I wanted to be in a place where these things were still available to me. At this point, I was definitely like beaten down in terms of being able to pursue theater as a more serious Uh, thing in college you know my parents were so um insistent that I not do theater it was a it was a very contentious topic between my parents and I um and so I was feeling very defeated about it didn't really know what I was going to do and then got into Barnard um so I did um visit right after I got in before I committed um and it was while I didn't really have any direct I didn't, you know, see the theaters or anything like that while I was here the first time. But I met so many students who were like, yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm involved in whatever group on campus, like CMTS or uh, KCST or, you know, all these groups that, that we were both kind of in the same orbit um, when we were at school. But, um, and they, but they were like, also, I'm studying this really cool thing. And like, I work in a lab or I work for a nonprofit or... Um, you know, in my, like, free time, I'm researching this, or, like, my, my is going to be on this, and I just thought that was so cool, you know, they had so many different interests that they they were able to pack into their lives as students, Um, and I knew that I wanted to be in a place where um, I could go see uh, shows on the weekends, and, um, you know, have no shortage of places to go out to dinner, and, like, the city is your campus, you know, so um, that was kind of when I was like, okay, I think I'm going to commit um and of course when I got here it was all that I was dreaming about and more in terms of being able to stay involved with theater yeah I don't know I just met the best people I had the greatest time yeah um, and in terms of the uh, the immigrant parent thing um you know that's kind of something that I'm still struggling to figure out uh what the balance is there um and I, it's definitely not as um, not as contentious as it was when I was 18 and you know confused. But um, I really have always been of the mindset that you know if I, in a perfect world, no considerations other than what do I want to do, I would stage manage for sure. That would be you know my perf- my ideal career. Um, I would love nothing more. Um, but then, you know, in real life, in terms of the relationship that I have with my parents, and in terms of you know the sacrifices that they have made for me, which I am so grateful for, and I definitely I do recognize that I would not be here in the same position um, with all of these opportunities, um, you know, that I have taken advantage of and that I still have yet to encounter um, without them uh, doing what they did and and raising me the way they did. Um, but at the same time, you know, it is hard to, to realize that, you know, I, I want to be able to provide for them the life that they never had, um, and to be able to, you know, be financially comfortable, uh, to be able to make sure that they can retire, you know, and like be able to still go to the doctor and travel and do all these things that they, um, have been putting off, uh, as they have paid for my college education and my brother's also, am recognizing that, you know, there is value to this graduate school degree that they really want me to pursue. You know, they've always been like, Hey, you know, medical school, law school, business school. And so I, right now I'm working as a paralegal. Um, I, I do love it. You know, it is work that challenges me that I'm learning a lot every day. Um, you know, not even having been to law school yet, but just being in the environment, working at a firm. And again, at the end of the day, whenever I take on something new, I always ask myself, what difference can I make here? Mm -hmm. Um, And I really do feel like in the field of law, as a woman of color, as a person who, um, you know, grew up in a family that's low income, um, as a person who has a story to tell, um, and who is you know passionate about making space for others to kind of to tell their stories and speak their truths um that's a lot of the reason why i got into theater and i think it is very similar in terms of of going into a field like law um and so yeah i'm i'm lucky in the sense that you know i don't hate this future career that i'm pursuing um and i know that theater will always be there for me whether i am an audience member or doing it on Um, or, you know, um, like making donations to to nonprofits or what have you, like there is always a way that I can stay involved. Um, And so I do feel lucky in that sense um, that, you know, while my parents didn't want me to necessarily pursue it professionally, they did have the foresight um, and the prescience to kind of say, hey, this is something that can enrich your life. um, And this is something that will you know make you happy and be an outlet and and show you all of these things um that you wouldn't have realized about it um and that's why they put me in theater and that's why they put me in music and so you know i have i do have them to thank for my initial introduction to the arts um and in that way i am really grateful mm.
0: uh, it's yeah. tricky. I mean, even like, I just came back from a, a national tour and my parents were like, that's a cute side hustle. Like that's a little hobby. Like now what, what's the real thing? And I'm like, dang like, it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, my mom's, my mom's favorite thing is don't quit your day job. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, I get it. But at the same time, theater is a day job. It can be if you want it to be.
0: Yep. I mean,
1: um, and so
0: I agree. Yeah it's it's really tricky um but everything you're saying makes a lot of sense i will say though if it's any consolation well a you know maybe there's a a possible um maybe there's a possibility that you make bank as a paralegal in like your 20s then you know fund your life as a stage manager for a bit who's to say um but also if it's any consolation like doing what you love full time is really difficult and definitely changes your relationship to it. Like I can firsthand say the first 22 years of my life, um, I was involved with trumpet because I absolutely like loved it. Like it was such a pure love and kind of a naive love. And I think not going to conservatory kind of protected me from resenting it. So I had a lot of regrets about not going to music school, but looking at it now, I was like, wow, like I had four more years of just like playing and yeah, doing it just because I loved it and nothing having no other drive really. Um, but this past year, like I think it's so easy to get jaded really fast. Um, so at least I've kind of come to a point where I'm like, oh, I don't need to perform eight shows a week to be a real musician. Like I am a real musician, just like how you're a real stage manager, even if that's not your day job. And at least personally right now I'm like, oh maybe I do get a day job not in the arts or arts adjacent and then try to gig um outside of it and like I don't know I'm kind of at the point where I'm like why not just have it all why can't we be daring enough to have it all um and strike that balance because at least personally I don't know if you were like this but I had a lot of what ifs of if I just got the opportunity to do it full-time I could like really thrive and um be incredible at it but I think when I had that opportunity I kind of realized this is really hard to be only consumed by this um I think, especially with Columbia and Barnard, kind of attracting the kinds of multifaceted people that you described earlier, um, it turns out I am pretty multifaceted, and I like having the balance in all the aspects of my being. Um, and even the thing that I love most can't fully define me. So I think that was a really interesting thing to learn about myself this year. Yeah, that's I- a really
1: good point. Yeah, I I see. This is really valuable, and I thank you for sharing this with me because. You know, I have never thrown myself into it professionally, as you have. And so I do definitely agree about the conservatory thing. I think that um, if I had gone, I probably would have seen, oh, you know, there is, a there is. while I do love it, you know, it is demanding. And there's a, a point at which I think lo- love for the craft is not enough. You know what I mean? Like, like of course, it's a big factor, but there has to be you have to really want to live eat breathe and sleep um your your craft in order to go into it like you know full like full steam ahead um professionally you know there's no going back and so yeah i really i that's a really great point
0: yeah um, and it, I and i still love it but it definitely complicates the relationship of it and with it yeah. but i do right. hope that you would have to like I would love for you to experience that for yourself too and not just take my word for it. Cause maybe it'd be a little different, but I think it does change your relationship with it. Once you start relying on it for money and once that becomes the thing that you spend all of your work time doing. For
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe someday, who knows? Maybe I'll have my midlife crisis.
0: I would Go love see. for to see that. Yeah. Um, I guess I wanted to pivot a little bit, um, but kind of going back to what you're mentioning earlier, about being low income woman, woman of color, like have you felt any biases or like resistance in the stage managing role? I feel like it's probably an interesting situation because it is like a girl boss role. Like you are giving directions, you are being like commanding, you are being assertive. Have you felt any like resistance from people that you've been like working with, or has there been any like overall challenges? I guess of being a woman of color in theater in that kind of Position, um, commanding attention, dealing with any like age, gender, power dynamics. Hopefully not since we were, you know, <laughs> at Columbia and we were all probably like similar age and stuff, but still curious.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I think overall I have been lucky in that I have really for the most part worked with people who have been very open-minded and willing to take direction whether it be coming from me or another, um, you know, person with authority in the space. Um, however, I will say that as in any aspect of my everyday life, I think there are moments in which I can kind of sense um, an outright, uh, like there, there was never any, you know, to my face, like you can't do your job, that kind of like um, sentiment. But there has definitely, I've picked up on hesitation Um, I've picked up on, um, you know, not having respect for me initially until I've earned it, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, which it's really interesting because, um, I took a stage management course, um, this past year at Barnard and we talked about how, um, you know, there are a ton of stage managers who are women in kind of the, the lower tier roles. And then as you get higher in the profession, like production stage managers on Broadway, they are usually men, and often they're white men. Um, and so that kind of, like, built in almost, like, very, like, grandfathered in power and balance mm-hmm. um, is very prevalent in a lot of areas of theater, I think. Like, you know, one thing that off the top of my head that comes to mind is producing, because you need money and you need connections. And so, again, it's a very white male-dominated space. But yeah, like stage management is still like that, and I think that that is one of those areas that, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, it's time for some some change uh, for sure. It's way past time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. In terms of my own my own experiences, um, you know, I I do have to really pay attention to the way I present myself. There's not that initial inherent like thought of oh you know she is a leader or like she is the the person in charge of the space when I walk into a room as there might be with um you know someone who is let's say like you know directors who are white men you know like almost immediately they can command a space Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I always have to pay attention to how am I presenting myself in the sense of I need to give clear direction. I need to not waver when I have to say, you know, let's say I have to say no to something or someone, or I have to suggest a different approach to something. I have to be confident in myself, uh, first and foremost, because faking it till you make it and like projecting that, even if you're not a hundred percent, uh, convinced, um, is such a large part of, of being able to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um and just little things like that you know tone of voice eye contact uh posture I found is really important uh the way I dress is really important um
0: I will say it's funny because like my very first impression of you was you were a freshman I was a sophomore um and that was the year where I composed lyricized music directed varsity show and you um, applied to be our assistant stage manager and I like so remember um I so distinctly remember your interview because you like walk in with like your heeled like combat boots like all black being like I have stage managing experience and I'm only a freshman and we were like oh my god like yes um and it's yeah it's funny like you had that awareness like I'm sure pretty early on you're like this is how I need to present myself and like command a space and get these opportunities so it's like even like yeah as a freshman in college you were very aware and you always gave off like that competent energy, which I think is like one of the most important things um, that people look for. But yeah, I think it's great. And it's, I don't know, a testament to I think how much of a great fit you are for that role.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was just one of those things where I was like, the more that I can do, and you know, it kind of sucks that, that I had to think about this a yeah. little bit because again, there are people who don't have to, and they show up, and they're the leader of the space, and that's that, but uh, it also has, it's, you know, I think it's been a very, it's been a great opportunity for, like, self-reflection, and, like, how do I want to present myself, Um, but, yeah, just little things that I I take it upon myself to do, even before I've started, like, the process, the rehearsal process, um, the production process, that really kind of that's me imparting, imparting confidence, you know, like I know that I can do it. I know that I've done it in the past um, and it's been successful. And so my goal is whenever I have a new team, whenever I have, you know, a new show is to be able to show other people that yes, you made the right decision. And yes, I am here to make this show happen. beyond like my physical appearance, beyond the whole, like the way I interact with people, that's also being super prepared, you know, having read the script before I walk into the space, having created all of these documents, um, being organized from day one, being open and communicative and, um, you know, telling people what I expect of them and also um, internalizing what they expect of me. um, Just these little things in terms of the prep work. That's really what I, I realized sets you apart as a stage manager from everyone else who could do your job mm-hmm. is that you have to be always thinking two or three steps ahead
0: it's it kind of like parallels the brunt that falls on women in real life too of just like problem yeah. solving and like being a therapist and a friend to everyone and being like five steps ahead and having to be like extra on top of it and yeah I don't know it's just it's interesting to think about because yeah, it's, like, fucked and it shouldn't fall on us. But um, I'm sure even to stand out as a stage manager, you're like, man, I have to, like, even... I have to bring 200%.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And this is my theory, and you've done it, is that that's why the most amazing SMs that I've ever worked with have been women. Mm -hmm. Not to, like, you know, not to shit on SMs who are men, because there are so many great stage managers of all genders who do an amazing job. Mm -hmm. But I think... Women that I've worked with that, um, that I have really been like, wow, like that is a stage manager that I want to emulate. Um, they just, you know, we're so used to having to, to do this in, in our everyday lives and it just translates so well. We already know how to, to empathize and to organize and to, you know, to be that person that everyone can count on. Um, and so it is a little bit of a double standard and it's got yeah. its own problems. but. At the same time, it is quite good in terms of, of being a good stage manager. So yeah, that makes a lot to, of sense. But, yeah. Uh,
0: that kind of leads me to my last main question of, like, how do we get more diverse cast, pits, crews, creatives? Because you're right, it is very overdue.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with early exposure to the arts. Um, and if I had never, you know, befriended Bree that day in, like, sophomore year gym... I never would have become a stage manager. That's crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I just had never, you know, with all my years in the theater, even though it was like very casual, I had never encountered an SM. There are very few opportunities for really young kids to get involved in backstage work. Um, And, you know, that even goes for like beyond the whole technical theater thing. Um, To be in in these spaces in the first place requires money and it requires mm-hmm. time you know like my parents uh as I mentioned earlier you know they didn't take vacations for themselves um, they didn't buy themselves like nice nice things new clothes like what 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 have you uh because uh they were spending all this money on on opportunities for me and for my brother and so they were able to pay the fees to put us in School plays, you know, like we had to pay $100 to be in women drama every, every time we did a show. Oh, wow. Um, they were p- paying um, camp tuition. They were paying, um, you know, for tickets to see shows for me and my brother. My parents have never seen a Broadway show. But when I was like 12 or 13, we came to New York and they bought tickets for um, my brother and I to see Wicked and Musies on Broadway. And those, before I came to college, those were the only two Broadway shows I'd ever seen. Um, but we couldn't afford for the whole family to go so oh. they said they sent me and they sent my brother um, so little things like that you know they they put the money in and they put the time in they drove us to rehearsal they came to um, our shows, all of those things and I think that has a lot to do with who you grow up to be is like early exposure and and how much time you spend doing things and so um, you know, If I didn't have these things when I was younger, I probably wouldn't know how to appreciate them now. Uh, So my biggest thing is, you know, being able to show as many people as possible how the arts can really, like, at the risk of sounding like a cliche, how the arts can really change your life. In terms of, like, creating a diverse space in, let's say, college theater, because I know that this is a huge debate at Barnard and at Columbia, um, there is such a, uh, a very set way of doing things. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and while that's okay in some respects in others, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that because it really encourages, encourages these ingrained ways of doing things that you don't even realize are maybe not the best way until you take a step back and you're like, wait a minute, you know? And I think a big example is, um, when we were both in Legally Blonde, um when you were in the pit and I co-produced, I remember having a conversation with Megan, um, the music director, about uh, having auditions for, for the pit. And you know, CMTS had never auditioned a musician for their pit orchestras, literally ever, uh, to my knowledge, before we did Legal Blond. Um, which was insane to me yeah. because how are you going to attract the talent that you want from the people that you want it from? if you don't put out a call, you know, if you don't let people know that this is happening because up until then it was very word of mouth. It was, you know, friends of friends of friends, uh, who were getting these pit orchestra opportunities. And, you know, of course there were, there were talented people playing in pits, but we were missing like 90% of the musician pool at Columbia. Mm -hmm. And so Megan and I were like, we're going to have auditions and we're going to make them open and we're going to, you know, put up flyers. We're going to put out, um, you know, like email, like listserv calls, and we put together one of the best pits that I've ever heard.
0: It was incredible. Um, it was also just the most it. fun experience of maybe all yeah. of college.
1: I mean, like I wasn't even in the pit and I like loved it. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. you're an honorary second. member. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, I loved every second of like hearing you guys play, watching you guys rehearse, seeing you guys, you know, have fun together outside of rehearsals. And to think that half those people would not have even known that Legally Blonde was happening. Had we not auditioned. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and at first, the CMTS board was very skeptical of this idea, you know, but not to, uh, like, not, not to point fingers or anything, but they were, like, do we think this is going to work? Like, are, are you sure you won't just be wasting your time? Like, we already have people who we know can play these instruments. Why not just ask them? And, again, this goes to show, like, this is what they've been doing, and they didn't even realize that mm-hmm. it was maybe not the most effective way to go about it. Um, and so taking a chance on things like that and making – uh, accessibility uh, and opportunity the kind of most important aspects of any um, of anything you do you know whether it be art whether it be uh, academia anything um, I think is, is super super important because people are not going to be able to participate in things that they don't know about um, at the end 100%. of the
0: day that's kind of the bottom line yeah 100% agree I think accessibility is so important and I think it's the most important for people um, in more leadership roles to prioritize it. Not because it's easy, because it's the right thing to do and everyone benefits and you're probably going to get the most talent that way anyways. But I 100% agree. And especially coming from a classical background, um, the average person is either white or Asian and middle to high income. And it's so easy to gatekeep it and just keep it the same because you're good and you're happy and things are fine. And even in varsity show, like the C team when I was on it was, we were all white, eight out of 10 of us were Jewish. We were almost all high income. And I was like, yeah. And you're like, oh, like, how did that happen? Um, it's not like that was like a, a quota or people were trying to make it that way, but it's like, it's, it's just like systemic privilege that is really easy to just pass on and not think twice about. Um, and I'm glad at, at, at this point, um, as a society, even in just the matter of a couple of years, I think it's like so much more at the forefront of like, okay, we need to not just take things as they are and be like, well, that's kind of how things are. We need to start instigating some change. So it's it's an exciting time to, I think, be in the arts, be in society. Um, it's messy, but it's like good and important work. It's motivating to want to fight that fight, I guess. Um, my last, last question is, I just wanted you to plug the cool projects you're working on right now um so if you could briefly tell us about that that'd be awesome
1: yeah of course um so i am currently working on my second off-broadway credit um which is dream a little dream of me by the amazing playwright Kay kemp uh directed by madison hatchet on um at the tank off-broadway so that is next week on the 20th we open um, and I can send you the link um, if you'd like to, to come. But so that is a straight play. Um, it's about a mother and a daughter who um, the mother is uh, struggling with her health. She's kind of losing her memory um, and her daughter comes home to take care of her. And it's a really, really touching story about, you know, the responsibilities that family members have to each other, Where does, uh, where does love begin? and responsibility end and vice versa. And just being able to connect with, with um, your loved ones, I think is really kind of the, the driving force of that, that play. Uh, so that I'm really, really excited for. I'm production stage managing.
0: So exciting. Well, you are such an inspiration and such a force. And thank you so, so much for your time.